You ready? Alright, I'm now recording. This is the episode where Dave is going to accuse me of breaking our arbitrary system. I love how you're cheating. getting ahead of this. Cheating. You are a cheater. You okay, are. So let me go the numbers. Let me go. We are going to be talking about Claudine, a 1974 rom-com dramedy. I mean, it's you yeah, know, it's as rom-com yeah. as you can be in a, a fairly, uh, fairly dire, but a situation that uh, a lot of people in pov- poverty could find themselves in. Um, however... Uh, Dave is about to bring his case, which I think is, is true pop prop comic fashion. Uh, you, you have a physical object to refute my stance that this is a mic pick with a whopping 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. Claudine. Apparently Here's people hate other it. Numbers. People Here's hate some other it. numbers, Mike. Except for how me. How many reviews? How many reviews are there? Uh, seven. 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 So there's four positive and three negative. And when are these reviews from, Mike? Uh, I'm not for certain on... 2004, 2007, 2010, 19, 20, 20, 21. I can't (laughs) help if uh, people have become worse than apparently what we were in 1974 (laughs) that they uh, can't enjoy this, this movie. Um... Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. This movie that is on what? what? What was the service that it's on? What is the boutique label uh, that came out with Claudine? Criterion? Mm. You may have heard of it. Mm. That focuses on great film. Armageddon. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> uh, I wonder what the Rotten Tomatoes is on Armageddon. Was that, would that fit into yours or to mine? <laughs> I bet it's higher than uh, Claudine here because people are horrible. And, um, nope, 38%. So that, okay, there that, we go. <laughs> that might be the worst uh, Rotten Tomato score for an official Criterion's Collection film. All of my emotions feel the same, feel the same. If you don't like where this is going, look away, look away. You're not in my way, you're in my path, look at that. All of my emotions feel the same, what a laugh. Cover your tattoo. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Claudine, which I'm here to rescue and promote to the world as, <laughs> its, as its savior. I'm sure director John Perry, uh, Tina and Lester Pine, the writers, would appreciate that. Um, and, of course, James Earl Jones, who, you know, he I don't know what he went on to do, but he needs the, yeah. you know, the, the pick-me-up if, here in 2021. If only he got reviews like, like from our show, he would have had a much greater career sure. and been saved. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I I probably would have said uh, bold choice to prominently display your like Harry back as much as he does in uh, Claudine. But it also was the '70s, so yes, um, yes. I'm trying to think. Elliot Gould is like I yeah. think he might be yeah. on the Mount Rushmore of body hair yeah. from that time period. Uh, James Earl Jones is nowhere near that. Because he was in was he in Bob and Ted and Carol and Alice? That's where you see a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, quite okay. a bit. Yeah, I mean, goodness. Yeah. Uh, it always strikes me when I see movies from the seventies like this, where I'm like, "Oh!" And I'm a guy who's like, you know, I'm Italian, I've got body hair, but I'm always like so struck in movies seeing this, like because it's so rare, especially nowadays when we're in the you know the MCU era of mm. the hairless abs mm-hmm. uh, era of male sexuality on dehydration. So this is look, yes, yeah, yeah um, exactly. Not so much with James Earl Jones. He's uh, 
<clears throat> I think he says that he's a 200 pound man when he's challenging someone to uh, fisticuffs. And I'm like, mm, it's two seems... something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're in a big the twos, dude, my man. <laughs> big dude, yeah, own it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, okay, so this is the first time watch for me. Is it uh, for you? As I, I believe you actually own the physical yeah, criterion. This was, I, I was very happy that you picked this movie because I blind bought this at the last Criterion sale. Okay. And, and I was like, okay, sure, I'll watch this. I had a couple people I know tell me it's really, really good and kind of this underseen gem. So I was like, okay, I'll, you know, you know, it's a Criterion. It's 20 bucks during the sale. Sure. Uh, and then, of course, I put it on my shelf and, like, probably probably forgot about it like I do many blind buys. And then it came up here. So, yeah, this was a total blind watch. Didn't really know anything about it other than who was in it. Uh, so yeah, definitely a first time watch. And I'm assuming you had a lot in common with their uh, characters oh, yeah. here. It's basically uh, the same life. James yeah, Earl yeah. Jones is a six, uh, a trash man. Yeah, uh, garbage. Right, six six kids working with a social worker. Yeah, that's my life. <laughs> yeah, the garbage man here. Who uh, it's also revealed in the film he has uh, kids as well. I think he says in Ohio. He probably still doesn't have it as tough as this mother of six who is 30, wow. 36 years old, I think yeah. it said in the film. I think uh, so. Yeah. I had a hard time. I have to admit that I had to double back and rewind mm. because sometimes <laughs> I would see these shots of this woman who um, is beautiful and has like a, a great personality. And I would just see her surrounded by her brood. And I was horrified. And the thing that I think I like the most about the dynamic of the family is it's the children themselves are most horrified about how many of them there are. <laughs> God, we stop having children. They're just looking at this, this apartment is so small. We're living on top of each other. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and I read, you know, some of the background on this. I can't remember the actress's name, but apparently Diane Carroll was not the first choice. But then very sadly, the first choice in this movie ended up, like, getting cancer and dying oh. right before the start of this movie. Hmm. But, but she was handpicked by this actress to replace her. Um, but, yeah, she's one of those actresses. Like, Diane Carroll's a name that I know, like, but I don't think I've ever seen anything with her in it. I've never seen a movie with her in it. And she is great here. And also, as you mentioned, just absolutely stunning beautiful to look at but also like a really good performance here like there is there's there's a lot of moments in this movie specifically with her you know with her daughter who is like just starting to be sexually active and just starting to act out where you you see that she's essentially as she's yelling and screaming and even you know hitting her daughter that like this is this is like an internalized thing for her that she's she's doing this to herself Right. Where she's like, no, I I did this. Do you not again? Do you not see all these children running around this house? Is that what you want for yourself? I want something better for you. And it pains her to see her daughter going through these same motions that she did, even with this example, like right in front of her face. She's still making the same mistakes. And it's really kind of heartbreaking to watch. But I think. I this movie does not work if you don't buy into Claudine and Roop's romance. Um, like this is the crux of it. Like, yeah, the stuff with the homestead is is really good. All all the interactions with the social worker are really funny. Her like hiding all this stuff like has this kind of you know all the hiding places for anything that's worth more than four dollars because they can't know that I've ever used my money to buy anything except for food, which is a real thing, especially during this time, which really sucks. Uh, but that stuff is all good. But you have to have because there's going to be a sequence where Roop ends up 
freaking out and leaving. So that has to hurt you as a viewer for this to work. So did that did that relationship end up working for you? I love the first date, um, which oh, I, I think so is the, just, he's so charming. <laughs> like Jesus. Um, I mean, I love how they the meet the meet cute here is him on his garbage route and her uh, working. Uh, you know, apparently it's a, a off the books or cash. Uh, job uh, because of the welfare situation and uh, she's it looks like uh, cleaning or, or working in some sort of uh, housekeeping capacity for uh, at the very least upper middle class uh, white uh, couple and she doesn't really give the garbage man a time of day until he talks back as far as the protocol uh, the the weight capacity the limitations on on trash what he can pick up and not but he does it and uh about as friendly of a way of putting you know someone in their place uh who's trying to take advantage of, of him and that's when she chases down the garbage truck to to let him know like uh yes she will go on a date with him like that I like that the first date is the fact that because there are so many people living in the apartment that there's no hot water and um he says well i've got hot water at my place and so she takes a bath however i did i did wonder god how the letterbox community would take it when oh. she falls asleep in his yeah. bathtub and he's you know he's trying to set the mood outside he's playing music and he's laying on the couch he's waiting for her and stuff and uh uh, then he obviously grows concerned. They don't really know each other that well when she's not responding to him. And so he takes, I guess, uh, a card and breaks into his own bathroom and then admires her naked breasts in the bathtub and compliments. And I thought, man, this is film Twitter and letterbox. They're not going to like oh, that. They're yeah. not going to find this that charming. However, I mean, I'm not saying that's <laughs> everyone should do it within the context of two extremely in my eyes world wary adults who don't ever get a moment to really be adults right. whether through trying to make ends meet or the fact that she is a mother to six children i found that exchange once they get past the hey what do you think you're doing both of them kind of reveling in the fact that it's just a shared time between two adults to enjoy right. each other's company i dug all of that i'm not recommending it to any of our listeners and all that i have to put that out there but i did wonder uh what you thought uh a newer audience would would think of with that particular first date interaction yeah i mean i think i, I mean i think you're right uh that people would have a negative reaction to it which i think is just it's connected we've talked about this before this whole like sexless viewing habits of people where they're just like no no sex scenes no romance none of that is necessary uh and i think that's what this this comes from and they'd have a negative reaction to this like and i think there is a sweet real honesty to that scene um that we don't have in a lot of movies now like let's say that you're in his situation and you are concerned for her so you break in and you see and you're attracted to women and you see a beautiful naked woman you are you're going to look like this is this is a natural thing to do your eyes are drawn to things that you're attracted to so that is what's going to happen in that situation but he doesn't take advantage of her i don't think he does anything terrible in that sequence like he wakes her up he has a conversation with her there's still a flirtation and it's totally fine but yeah this movie Kate thousand two thousand twenty one like no you should find a way to wake her up while plucking out your own eyeballs and never <laughs> 
ever looking at female form. Like, it's like, come Dave on. Dave goes we, into Suspiria what we, what territory we, where it becomes body horror doing? at that point. What are um, we doing here? Like, they're on, they're, this is a date. They're on a date. Do you, do you think he's not going to, he's not going to look at a woman he finds attractive? Like, and, and, and I, but they cut it off relatively quickly. Like, it's not a lingering moment where he's like ogling her. It's like, oh my God. Like, it's none of that. It's just a like, get into appreciation. Territory, and then move on. That's for yeah, sure. yeah, um, exactly. And of course, there's uh, they're, they're supposed to go out, but then they decide just to, he goes to grab some some I think fried chicken, just like fried from chicken? a, a mm-hmm. close you know local place, and they just eat in. And I I really liked it. I like seeing mm-hmm. these very lived in characters get a chance to breathe and and relax right. because unlike most rom coms, if you want to call that. Uh, and I think I think if you had to categorize it, it would be a rom com, um, because there is, yeah. even though there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of back and forth on the like sort of will they or won't they. And this is one of the the few examples where the will they or won't they actually, I could see it going either way, and I understand it from both characters' perspectives. Mm-hmm. On I, I don't feel like it's uh, manipulation on their part. Like, okay, now is the segment of the movie where we need to have these two people who really enjoy each other's company, uh, be a part and just, and think about what could have been with the other party. No, there's obvious financial constraints. There's limitations yeah. on, uh, even how they can classify what the romance is, uh, from, from like a government, from an officially yeah. sanctioned level, which is, is awkward and something that I would never like have ever thought about before. Uh, right. This is just a great, a great movie about uh, you know slice of life is usually uh, like sort of the the first negative thing you can say about a lot of like independent films that are not aimless. But th- you know this is one that doesn't have an easily uh, like marketed like plot. If I was explaining it to people like what is this film about? Let me go to IMDb. Uh, it says here in the 1970s Harlem garbage collector Roop feels intimidated by the idea of dating Claudine, who is a single mother of six on welfare. I mean, I guess, but I don't even think that's accurate. I don't think he's intimidated. Uh, like, I think he's intimidated no. about his own his abilities own as a man. Um, right. To, yeah. you know, I think he has, a, he has a big speech about the idea that the man's supposed to be the breadwinner. And basically he's explaining, I think cowardice is a bit too strong a word because I think he has legitimate concerns uh, mm-hmm. about a life that he can have and provide, but there's like a great pain, even though he's saying it with a smile, cause he's trying to explain it to her kids on basically being financially comfortable enough to even, uh, aspire to be considered someone's father. Like it's irresponsible yeah. if, if he's unable to provide to take up that, that mantle. Um, there was a lot I really adored here. This is the, the type of movie uh, I really like where it just puts me in the place of a particular set of characters that I would mm-hmm. usually not have any sort of exposure to that particular walk of life. Now, thankfully, I don't have six kids because, as I've stated, I hate children. Uh, that, would, maybe, that would be a lot for you, Mike. <laughs> that would be a big <laughs> fucking jump, wouldn't it? To go z- yeah, zero to, to sixty six. is what it would be. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. But this is one that, yeah, I, I feel like if I could get people to watch it, um, but it has that sort of. Um, just ambling nature to it. I think that a lot of seventies films do that. If you just dropped in on TV, I don't think even if you missed the first twenty minutes, uh, you would be totally lost. Where you couldn't be won over by the charms of just yeah. the characters involved. 
Yeah, and I think one of the things I really love about this is that all of that is true, and it is like you know, up until things get much more dramatic, it's 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 kind of a pleasant movie, like mm-hmm. to just be involved in. But it's also, I mean, when you break this movie down, it's also about the exhaustion of being black in America in the 1970s. Um, even that that first date that both of us love so much, like that's what a lot of that is about. Is like he's gone to her house and seen <laughs> all these children running amok, and he's he he does a hard job too, and so they just sit with one another. And enjoy food and don't – they don't have the pressure of like, oh, let's go get dressed up. Let's go to this nice restaurant. Let's do all this. It's just like let's just be with one another because we both obviously like each other. There's an obvious attraction between both of us. So let's just sit here and let's just have fun and crack jokes back and forth. Um, and that is the start of their relationship and the 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 most kind of – the moments in this film where you feel the most comfortable are when they're all together and they're having a good time. And yet it's a movie where when he kind of snaps um, and you find out about his past and he like there's that whole very painful dinner sequence where he just loses it. And yet it doesn't feel out of place in this movie that is ambling and is kind of pleasant. And yet when that happens and it's explained to you where this is coming from, you're like, oh, yeah, that. That reaction, strong, yes, over the top, yes, but you also understand where he's coming from, which goes to what you were talking about with this will-they-won't-they situation. It's never will-they-won't-they get together. It's will-they-won't-they have a standard relationship and move forward with their lives in a way where they're moving together. Um, And you can understand why he wouldn't and why she wouldn't, but you still, like— it's it's romantic enough in the sense that you're pulled to want them to. Like, there's never a moment in this movie where I don't want them together. Where I'm like, no, one of them is just terrible. Like, you do understand where they're coming from, so you do find yourself rooting for them through the entire runtime. Or at least I did. Just watched, um, strangely, uh, the this morning for another podcast for The Grand Gesture, uh, One Fine Day uh, with mm. Michelle Pfeiffer and George Clooney, which I... I don't think I'd seen. I have no memory of ever sitting down to watch that film. And uh, much like Claudine lost to time, uh, you can't even rent it on Amazon Prime or iTunes, a digital wow. copy anymore. Uh, there was a standard death. Where are you, Criterion? Come yeah, on. Yeah, for one, one fine, fine day. day. Uh, <laughs> the comparison that I want to make, though, is that, and this is uh, somewhat of a spoiler in the sense that. Um, you know, George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer on the poster and the premises. Uh, look, at these two bicker uh, as there's these two single parents are, are thrown together through happenstance. Uh, you know where it's going to end up. Yeah, it ends up though very much in a similar fashion. Not with him, George Clooney gazing at Michelle Pfeiffer's naked breasts, uh, breaking into his own bathroom, <laughs> but just through the exhaustion of the day. It, they don't get to consummate it in the way that we expect. You know, the Truman Show. Romantic comedies, PG-13, where they, they start to go to the bedroom and then the camera flies through the window and all that. Uh, the big difference is when you're talking about the, the black experience, and in particular the black experience in 1970s uh, Harlem, is um, these two very beautiful white people, these um, one movie star and one TV star that would become a movie star, they're so exhausted because... Uh, their careers are so high energy. They've got meetings all day mm-hmm. long, and then uh, she's uh, displaying like uh, this new project, this new development, and she's got to make sure that she can sell this. And he's a columnist for like a New York newspaper, and he's into politics, and he's got to get the big score. He's got to take down this corrupt politician. It's interesting 
that in particular, I guess in, I was about to say like white cinema, but that's, I mean, 90% of the product. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That white people very rarely want to see themselves reflected on screen. It looks like they, it's a little bit like the uh, conservatives that hate uh, the unemployment benefit. And Mm -hmm. I I work Mm -hmm. with a number of them who I can tell you, they're not in the tax bracket to be concerned about right. no one's just <laughs> taking anything away from you yes You're good. It's... and it's like but they they rally and they want to see their superiors in a way because they are totally charmed and bedazzled and thinking that one day they will be at the top so that's their only interest and i do feel like it's unfortunate that we have to rely on any films generally about um minorities i guess in any capacity that it's about a more grounded sort of struggle um and it's something i've talked about with my co-host on that show uh derek on uh, the grand gesture um that uh, when we were discussing boomerang on marcus Mm -hmm. played he said it was an oddity because all of this is pretty much an entirely black cast of highly successful people and it's unfortunate that yeah. um, I guess we as the whites are not <laughs> – we're not showing uh, poor white folk uh, on screen unless it's your favorite movie from Netflix, uh, Hillbilly Elegy, uh, which Oof. you just adore. You just bring up so many Oof. times, Dave, um, where it's like a, it's a once-in-a-five-year event. Like let's look at poor white people when yes, yes. there are plenty of these stories uh, that could be out there. Yeah. You know, Chappelle has that great bit about uh, the opioid crisis. Uh, mm. and how it relates back to the 80s and uh, crack. And, you know, I'm like, where is that Where is that movie and why is it starring mm-hmm. Mila Kunis with, uh, you know, upper, I guess, middle-class Glenn Close? Where, where is this version where you're going to see actual sort of struggle on screen that is not meant to conquer someone else? Like, it seems like that's it. That you can rise up, but you're going to dominate... Uh, this population that you want to leave behind. I don't feel like the characters here want to leave anybody behind. They just want to find some sort of small measure of happiness for themselves. They would just like to be honest about the fact that I want to marry this person and still be able to provide for my children. Right. And, and I think, you know, you know, spoilers for this movie from 1950, 1974, but it like, you know, it ends with very specifically with this, like, wedding sequence involving the police mm-hmm. uh and, and i think i don't think and it's it's interesting i think it's a really smart way to end this movie because it's it it kind of encapsulates the whole movie where it's funny it's enjoyable it's energetic but it's also couched in this kind of crushing oppression that they're that they're all feeling and i think it's and it's it's so it's so great to me because it's like there's like fun music playing in the background they're all smiles and yet they're being chased down and thrown in the back of a paddy wagon mm-hmm. like this is this is the black experience in the 1970s like this is a perfect encapsulation and it was so so smart i found myself wondering you know you kind of talked about like 2021 audiences like the you know, film Twitter and Letterboxd mm-hmm. community. I wonder what they would thought think about the director here. This is directed by a white guy. Uh, this is uh, John Barry, white director, uh, telling this black story. This would never fly now. But I will say, I think, if I remember right, John Barry was also one of the directors who early in his career had been blacklisted mm. um, for supposedly being a part of the Communist Party. So he certainly knows at least a little something about oppression and having his you know, uh, having things taken away from him. But I have to think that if this was made in 2020, 2021, 
People were like, what are you doing directing this movie, sir? Walk well, away. Uh, in the Heights, right? Uh, I got a little yeah. bit of pushback uh, for the, for that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Asian director telling a Latin Latino story is that? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, it's 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 a valid point in a way. Uh, I I don't think that the direction of In the Heights was a problem, especially if you're trying to make a bold, uh, colorful, like splashy musical. The yeah, guy Look who at did the last movie he Crazy did. Rich Asians, <laughs> sure. I mean, it it, yeah. it worked. Uh, as to John Barry here, um, his known for it doesn't even include Claudine. On the four yep. films. In fact, the top one is something called Chillers with Anthony yeah. Perkins from 1990. What? <laughs> 1990. You know, yes. you're getting on to me for selecting Claudine, but this is just this is just validation that this film is just being disrespected left and right, even John Perry's known for. How is this not his number one yeah. uh, with a bullet? I'm, I'm betting that'll change relatively soon. And the other ones... After this podcast. Uh, are all, <laughs> yes. I think are all like, uh, like Italian films because he, when he, you know, when he left... The United States, after being blacklisted, that's what he did, is he went directed overseas. Uh, so it was like that was his career for a long time. But yeah, I feel like this should be his his most known for. Like this is because, you know, in again, doing some research, like this movie made some money, too. Like this was not just a, you know, a movie that like nobody saw and Criterion saved because they did a bunch of research like this made cash, especially in black communities like this made a lot of money. Um and, you know, you mentioning the thing about Boomerang, about how we don't see, um, you know, basically all black casts where everyone is successful. Do you think that because of, uh, frankly, because of the way that black people are treated in the United States, do you think that people don't see that as believable? Because it's, it's much harder to get to that level of success than it is for a white person in similar circumstances? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a little crueler than that i i think that mm. trying to appeal to uh the general audience um you know whatever that may be predominantly white that if you're going to have a story uh about black people it is ha- has to be about their struggle uh with mm. being black and it's that's obviously even in something like boomerang it's not like you can completely remove that from those characters' experience. I think they do the best they can. There's, it's. I think it would be uh, just as racist to try to remove someone's blackness from a film. But yeah. I think that general audiences and also so disingenuous. Yeah, like, right. what do you? Yeah. But general audiences, I think, expect that to be the topic. If you have a black cast, then it must be about something uh, like the experience of. And Claudine is. But it's right. also a love story as well. It's also right. uh, sort of a it's not family just, melodrama. It's not yeah. just struggle. Yeah. Uh, one of one film that I was watching on Christmas is the the Best Man Holiday, which mm-hmm. um, I mean, there is a white character, uh, and it's kind of flipped because the white character is there uh, to riff off of his whiteness, and that's about it. That's pretty much all he's he's there for. Um, not in a cruel fashion, but it is very much the reverse sort of tokenism of like the film is acknowledging we have one white character. And... <laughs> white people exist. See, they're here. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Um, but you know, ultimately, that's just about a uh, this sort of social construct between college friends when they age out of the college experience. And mm. yes, could could you make that an all white cast? Yeah, you would lose something, but yeah. um, you could. And so I do, you know, I do wish there were more just films in general 
like that where that didn't ha- you know it didn't have to be the marketing hook even something as successful as black panther right it had an event status because it's we're going to give you the first the first the yeah. first big i guess you know black superhero like i guess officially sanctioned like marvel or dc uh kind of property um and uh you know that's slowly slowly like a, a cruise ship or something like you know <laughs> turning um but uh still not that great if off-screen death has to save Claudine. And I do want to make a correction. This Chillers thing with Anthony Perkins is a TV series. Uh, oh, based on uh, It's not even known for movies. Yeah, it's just, uh, Patricia Highsmith uh, stories, I guess. And oh. it lasted one season. It is currently on the Roku channel and Vudu uh, free. Mm. You don't have Oof. to pay for it. It's not a, not a good sign. That's, and I, I, I will be checking it out. <laughs> At least I also one episode. Think... Like, you know, we did talk about how this is, you know, kind of couched in the oppression of the time and of the people involved. But I think the thing I like about this is that that is all context. Like, that's all there, but that's not the focus. Right. And I've, you know, a lot of the black folks that I've talked to who are really into movies are like, I don't need to see another movie Mm. just couched in black pain. Yeah. Right. Like you can make you can make another great movie about slavery, but I'm not going to fucking watch it Mm. because like I know I've, you know, I know what's coming here and I've lived life. So I don't need to delve into that again. Like, I don't need to learn that lesson. Whereas this is like, yeah, that's all there. That's all there in the background. But really, this is about two people separately struggling and then moving together to struggle together. Like, that's what this is about. So it, I like the fact that it doesn't negate You're that experience. You're not selling it, Dave. Go back I to like the, the... <laughs> the boobies in the bathtub. That's what right. we need to go back to. Oh, they'll never, they'll never buy that. Um, but I like the fact that they don't negate that experience of what that is really like and how difficult life really is. But it's not like, oh, let's wallow in it and let's show you how much pain we're in. Isn't this terrible? It's like, yeah, this is all terrible, but also we can make a good life for ourselves if we connect with, with another person who cares about us. So it's like... It's it's about oppression, and yet it's it's when you boil it down, it's such a sweet movie. It's about two people that care about each other and love one another for whatever faults that they may have. They're still like, yes, but this is the person for me, and I'm going to fight to make this work. And I think that's kind of a wonderful story to tell. And they end up in a paddy wagon, yeah, laughing yeah. their ass off. Yep, as as one does, right? That's 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 what there you do. are plenty of poor white stories that could end up exactly that way um yep. but uh they don't they don't want to see it they don't want to see it unless it's played by glenn close or amy adams yep that's right uh give some uh take some fake teeth and make sure what is it the thing really was, messed up was white people and teeth in movies movie stars in there i don't understand um anyway uh claudine I wish... doesn't do that and that's why it's great just hairy <laughs> backs and naked breasts yeah. God yes, damn it. That's the right absolutely. way. <laughs> we should go back in time to this. This is what we need in cinema is boobs and hairy backs. This is, this is what we're talking about. Follow us on Twitter at OffScreenDeath for, or Instagram, I guess. There you go. Pictures. There you go. We'll try to find some and then get the account deleted and banned. Probably. I don't know. Do they allow nudity? They allow hairy backs on there, right? I'm sure they do. Hairy backs should be fine. No nipples. That's I don't know if I want to. And you know, search for that on my Instagram. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. The algorithm. <laughs> mm, that's the thing. Yeah. All right. We'll see what we Boobs can do. Boobs are okay. No nipples. Be careful, Mike. Don't get us banned. We got a movie coming up that's very prominent with the nipples. Stay tuned. <laughs>